This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, 7.06 a.m. on Thursday, the 22nd of February. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mukhtar with Wong Xiaoning and Philip C. Now, in half an hour, we're going to be discussing the International Court of Justice and the hearings that are taking place this week on Israel's illegal occupation of Palestine. But as always, we're going to kickstart the morning with a look at how global markets closed overnight. Well, in the U.S., it was very interesting. In the beginning, it was all downward trajectory. When the last 30 minutes, there was an uptick, and that's why the Dow and SP 500 are both up by 0.1%, and the Nasdaq was down 0.3%. Over in Asia, it's been mixed though. Hang Seng up 1.6%, Shanghai Composite up 1%, but the rest of the region is in negative territory. The Nikkei down 0.3%, Singapore's STI down 0.8%, and FBM KLCI down 0.2%. I think U.S. markets went up because there were whispers, whispers that Nvidia's results would be better than expected. I know. I think that's what drove that thirty that <laughs> yeah. thirty minute rally, right? Yes. Yes. Well, for more thoughts on what is what what's moving markets, uh, we speak to Vishnu Varthan, head of economics and strategy at Vizuho Bank. Vishnu, good morning. Thanks as always for joining us. Let's start with um, what we know coming from the FOMC minutes from January, which came out uh, last night. Uh, What is the writing on the wall telling us? Is it pointing towards early or later rate cuts? Uh, Actually, I'll I'll take a leap from uh, Shaoning. Whispers, whispers, whispers. (laughs) I think that's that's what we we contend with these days, right? So uh, it wasn't such a whisper, but then I I, I think now the murmurings and the whispers are that uh, the conclusion on rate cuts is not now. uh, And the whispers about it is, maybe not earlier than June, uh, given the uh, factors that have been brought up. I mean, key to it is clearly the point that, you know, inflation can bounce up again. And as we saw with the hot prints that followed the FOMC meeting, uh, the concerns in the FOMC meetings uh, and and the minutes uh, are validated. Uh, And and alongside that, I, I think there's also been a sense that, you know what, the Fed may not be the one that's leading the cuts because... Uh, concurrent and coincident to the FOMC minutes and, and the pushback on not now, folks, has been the ECB and the Bank of England coming up saying, maybe we can't hold off too long either. The ECB is saying wage inflation is not that hot. We could cut. And the Bank of England is saying, if we hold off and don't cut for too long, that's going to be deleterious as well. So markets are now realigning uh, a slightly uh, new version of pivot to become a competitive pivot. So if we are saying a bit higher for longer, what does it mean then for Asian currencies? Because the whole expectation was that the US dollar is going to weaken. Is it inevitable? I think the that's why I think Asian currencies are muddling along for the time being, because the, the first prospect of the US currency uh, uh, in an unchallenged slide because of pivot is now debatable. If if the ECB and the Bank of England are not going to follow the Fed uh, and not going to leg the Fed and may could even lead the Fed in, in cuts, then it's not a clear-cut case, uh, no pun intended, for a weak dollar. I mean, the, the euro could be weak, uh, the sterling could be weak, in which case the dollar may not be that weak after all. And if inflation is hot in the US, then the Fed may not cut by very much. So Asian currencies are perhaps looking at how much weakness there could be in the dollar, how durable it could be, and whether it could be uh, a little bit more volatile than anticipated, which is usually not very good for Asian currencies. Vishnu, let's talk about the ringgit. 
what can I say, is perilously well. It seems to be hitting all-time lows against the US dollar and even the Singapore dollar. Our economic fundamentals, or at least that's what the central bank governor is telling us, is very strong. So help us understand why the ringgit continues to weaken. Okay, so first things first, I'll, I'll agree with the governor that on, on a relative basis, uh, the underlying economic fundamentals are strong. And in fact, we do expect by the end of the year, uh, you know, these are, I'll, I'll steal a word from you, parallel statements to make. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretending we can see it through the end of the year, but with, with a turn in the semiconductor cycle, this should actually add tailwinds and prospects for uh, catch up performance or, you know, slash out performance by the ringgit at that point of time. But for the, for, for now, e even though, you know, on the facade of it, oil prices are supported. And so you, you would think, you know what, the ringgit should be doing slightly better than it is now. There are also countervailing points as such as gas prices having slid down, uh, you know, very, very, very quickly. And, and that's adding pressure to the uh, ringgit. And I think the biggest bugbear could be that there's a steep and sharp trade-off between uh, political uncertainty uh, and, and fiscal improvements. And, and I think that's showing up in, in, in the ringgit where uh, I think some background noise of, of, of uh, you know, political uncertainty is still dragging down the ringgit rather than, you know, shoring it up. Can we turn our attention over to Thailand? Because Thailand's uh, fourth quarter GDP failed to meet market expectations. Will the Thai economy join Japan as another Asian nation falling into a recession this year? I think, uh, I mean, as of now, it is difficult to rule out uh, a, a technical recession, depending on the outcomes. But our, our point on, on, on Thailand has been that some of that 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 uh, lag in in the economy picking up is because e even though tourists have started to return, tourism spending is lagging the pace of tourists returning. So you are expecting higher spending tourists to come back. That restoration would usually kick multipliers into uh, growth multipliers into higher gear, which will allow growth to pick up a bit more broadly. And if that coincides with manufacturing also coming off a bottom and picking up, the Thai economy is actually in a good place by the time we reach the end of the year. Uh, all that said, and this is not just for Thailand, for all of us, end of the year is also the US elections and some uncertainty that could follow in terms of global trade. So that's, that's the, the real elephant in the room where we, we think that the economic cycle is set up for a, a nice recovery, uh, but political curveballs continue to persist in the market. Can I get your take on the Southeast Asian country, Indonesia? They've held their rates, right, to preserve the rupiah mid lingering risk. But presumably for Indonesia, they're no more political curveballs, right? Because it's quite certain who the next president is, right? Well, that's a great point. And, and that's a point we thought was uh, worth making the distinction on. There is certainly no uncertainty around the election. Uh, there is also an assumption of policy continuity but the exact execution of policies, uh, I think, still leave some uncertainty around it. And in particular, uh, one at the issue not addressed for Indonesia is there appear to be some huge spending plans in the background, be it free lunches for students or maybe, you know, buffing up the uh, military, so on and so forth. But there aren't revenue plans to back that up. And, and so that aspect of it uh, could, you know, unexpectedly become a bugbear at some point. 
Vishnu, are you ever concerned about the new populist governments that are in power? We include Thailand in that mix, Indonesia. Thailand wants to pursue a digital wallet, wants the central bank to cut rates. Indonesia, like you say, has got this free lunch program that's going to cost billions every day. What does this then mean for those respective economies? First off, I'm just relieved. I thought when you started the question, Vishnu, are you ever, I thought you were going to ask, are you ever not pessimistic? <laughs> uh, okay. Thank, thankfully, it wasn't that. Uh, and, and on that note, and, and, and on the note of free lunches, I, I think that's my concern. There, there is no free lunch, is there? Um, and and it's, I'm, I'm all for thinking about how best to balance between the public sector and the private sector. But what we cannot distract from are two factors. One is, if, if we're going to lean more on the public sector, then where is that funding coming from? And the second question around it is, is that funding at the cost and, and, and prohibitively high cost of the private sector where you end up crowding it out? And, and that means that the longer term vibrance of the economy becomes more suspect because then you become dependent on uh, populist policies and politicking rather than productivity in businesses. So those would be my underlying concerns as a boring economist. But what do I know? Vishnu, thanks very much for speaking with us. That was Vishnu Varthan, Head of Economics and Strategy at Mizuho Bank. Not just a boring economist. Definitely no, not. Far from that. <laughs> well, uh, he was speaking about some of the trends uh, that we can watch as we see how markets perform. I think all eyes on the US elections at the end of the year and also uh, just on how different governments are striking their policy notes. Uh, but maybe we can turn our attention to some of the news coming out of corporate America that has... Uh, seen stocks rise and fall. We've got news from NVIDIA, where shares surged after posting fourth fiscal quarter earnings that beat Wall Street expectations and uh, forecasted that revenue for the current quarter will be better than expected. Yeah, this was all thanks to surging demand for its AI accelerators, which crunched data for AI models. Fourth quarter revenues more than tripled to $22.1 billion, 8% higher than analyst estimates at $20.4 billion, which really underscores the magnitude of the that recent growth streak just as recently as 2021. NVIDIA did not generate that as much revenue for an entire year. So incredible numbers here. Profit came in at $5.16 per share versus the expected $4.60. Okay, so the the thing that is making markets so happy, so delirious, is that um, they are guiding for revenue in the current quarter to be around $24 billion. Analysts only expected $21.9 million. Versus, and in the meantime, if we look at gross margins, it's 77% versus analyst expectations of 75.6%. But there is one red flag, and that is the flag of China because of the CHIPS Act. Now, the competition is also heating up. First off is AMD. They've already come out to say that they will be looking at these AI chips, right? And they are oh, everybody wants a slice of that pie. But there's no denying this is really the poster child of the S&P 500, it the is. best performing stock last year. Also this year, this company is worth 1.7 trillion US dollars. I don't even need to look at Bloomberg, but I can tell you everybody loves this. In terms of analyst recommendations, <laughs> 60 buys only, five holes, and who dare call it a sell? Who Just dare? one who person, dare? one brave analyst. <laughs> uh, consensus target price for the stock, 734 US dollars and 48 cents. Last time price during regular market hours, it was actually down close to 20 US dollars to 674 US dollars and 72 cents, although after market it was up. 
Let's see how it opens tomorrow. I think it's this kind of story, right, that's spurring other uh, parties to also consider going into chips. And I can't help but think of Sam Altman and how he wants open AI to also go into chips mm. or wants to set up a whole body to, to do chips of AI nature. We'll see how far that goes. And the other thing is, if you look at AI chip demand, right, it's really just driven by the hyperscale now. Okay, mm. Wait till it, it goes beyond that. Mm. Then they really will see a new level of demand. The That's question here will be, will markets shift to the application of AI? Will mm. that be the next player, right? All right, 7.18 in the morning. We're going to head into some messages, uh, but we'll come back to cover more of the top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.